Good morning, Four Oaks. It's the end of the week here, Friday, March 3rd. A couple of programming announcements. So next week and the week following, we will be hitting pause on these devotionals. Next week, we are not going to be in Matthew. And then the following week is spring break. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off, but we'll be back um, on that Monday. And I'm doing this off the top of my head, which is always dangerous. It's like the 19th, the 20th, whatever that Monday is, March, we'll be back at it in the Gospel of Matthew. But for today, we are looking at Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25. And as we've seen in just these three short verses, there's all kinds of amazing truths packed in here. We've talked about uh, the gospel of the kingdom. We've talked about the ministry of word and deed. We've even discussed um, how we're to relate uh, the, the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. What's the difference between teaching and preaching? All, all sorts of things we have found here. Uh, but today, we want to wrap that discussion up by making a rather obvious point. So obvious, we, it's not really even the first thing we think about when we read these passages, or this passage in particular. But as we see, I think it's going to be um, really important in terms of understanding the nature of the kingdom. Okay, so let's look. Verse 23, chapter 4. And he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan." So the progression has been here that Jesus has now publicly inaugurated his ministry in Galilee. And this is in his second year of ministry. His first was, was sort of behind the scenes of the year of preparation. Well, this is the year of favor. This is the year of popularity. This is when Jesus um, gets the biggest response to his preaching and teaching and miracle working. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, this section of Matthew is announced by this sort of this phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was Jesus's first task in proclaiming this, this repentance um, of the kingdom to gather up his first kingdom followers, to, um, to draw in that inner group of disciples. Because if you're going to have a kingdom, you've got to have subjects. You've got to have people who are on mission. And then this circle in this passage begins to expand out. It is now the crowds who are beginning to follow him. It is not just the disciples. It is, in fact, um, the surrounding regions. And here it's interesting. Matthew makes a point of telling us all the regions um, by which the fame of Jesus, as it is in verse 24, or, or the news of Jesus is, is spreading. And it says, look at verse 24, his fame spread throughout all Syria. Okay, so Syria was a, was a province, um, and it was populated not just by Jews, but also by Gentiles. And this would have been a signal 
to Matthew's readers who were predominantly Jewish Christians that in fact the gospel was not just for them, wasn't just for Jews, but it was for everyone. Because here at the onset of Jesus's ministry, you have people coming from Syria. You also have, it tells us, great crowds followed him from Galilee. That's the region north of the Sea of Galilee. The Decapolis, and Decapolis was a region also north of the Sea of Galilee comprised of 10 cities. And these, um, there's a little dispute about which 10 cities or villages were a part of this, but uh, by including Galilee and Decapolis, what, what Matthew is saying is that people from both sides of the Jordan Valley were coming to see Jesus and people from the south, Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is Matthew's way of saying the news of Jesus and his ministry spread like wildfire. And when people went in that day to take a journey to see someone like Jesus, that was, that was no small task, right? Not only was it laborious to travel, but once you got there, you were living off the land. It was a, it was a massive inconvenience. But, but here, there's just swarms, multitudes of people coming to Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. That's how, that's how popular his ministry was. Now, there's a couple things I think we could say about this. Number one, um, how are, or what are we to think about crowds? Okay, what do we think about crowds? Um, on, on one hand, um, Jesus never tells the crowds to go away. Um, in fact, it tells us in other parts of the Gospels that Jesus looked upon the multitudes uh, and had compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus preached to crowds. Jesus healed crowds. Jesus ministered and served crowds. And and for those of us who might have a bias against crowds or a bias against numbers and look at them suspiciously, let's be reminded that these multitudes are actual people. They're not just numbers. They're, they're not just um, figures in a census or a headcount, but they represent actual people and their lives. And in no way does Jesus at this point discourage that. Okay, and so we have to remember that there's nothing inherently spiritual about having smaller crowds, okay, or smaller churches, or to simply say, well, if you have a large church or a large crowd for a large event, then you then you must be unfaithful. You must be doing something wrong. Not true. Um, by the same token, you cannot say just because we have a small crowd, we're doing something wrong or we're being unfaithful. That's not the point either. The point is that it is God who gives the numbers, and it's here that we see that these crowds coming to Jesus, he is not turning them back, right? He's ministering to them. Now, on the other side of the coin, what we also want to say is that crowds in and of themselves cannot be a sign of health, right? There's going to be a point in the not-too-distant future where Jesus, after this year of a year of popularity, enters his final year of opposition, where the crowds begin to desert him, where the crowds begin to turn on him. And this is largely because Jesus is not fulfilling their expectations. Jesus is not leading a popular revolt. Jesus is not using his popularity to lay hold of the kingship. 
they are also turning against him because Jesus is saying hard things. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's talking about discipleship and picking up their cross. And again, people are deserting um, so much so, as we're going to see later in Matthew, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, um, will you not too leave? And what does Peter say? Well, where are we going to go, Jesus? You have the words of life, right? So while crowds are never an inerrant sign of something bad or off or, or suspicious, neither are crowds necessarily a sign of health, right? Um, it all depends on what happens to the crowds once they get there. And for Jesus, the healing and the teachings were all ways to draw people in in order for them to hear the gospel of the kingdom. And that, that gospel call was one that called for sacrifice. It was one that was called for, for self-denial. And that's why many walked away, if not most, all right? So, so that's one thing we want to say. A, a second thing we want to say, and, and this should be, I think, pretty obvious, but again, it's, it's so obvious we, we kind of miss it, that the nature of the kingdom of God is that it grows, that it spreads. And here, I'm not just, again, speaking numerically, although that's part of it, okay? But the kingdom of God expands in terms of its realm. It captures heart and minds. It transforms families, relationships, institutions, bodies, marriages. And this is, in essence, what we have here. Jesus declares the kingdom. He calls his followers, disciples to him. The crowds gather around, and what we see is that inerrant in the kingdom is the growth of the kingdom, is the expansion of the kingdom. Um, it's, it's, and we're going to hear a lot about this kingdom in the parables of Jesus here in Matthew. You know, um, the kingdom is, is, you know, like a tiny seed, right? Um, but the kingdom is like yeast. The, the, the kingdom is growing, it's taking territory, it's conquering all under the authority of King Jesus. And that's such a thing for us to remember even today. We might look around at our immediate context and say, well, the sun is setting on the kingdom of God in America. The, the, the church has had its day and Christianity is on the wane. When in actuality, when you look across the whole scope of the world, particularly in the global south, whether that's in Southeast Asia, whether that's in South America, Central America, Africa. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, the gospel is on the move. The church is growing. It is taking territory, which is why we can, in confidence, know that God will build his church, that God will use his church to build his kingdom, and that our job in the midst of that is to simply be faithful to follow the king, to be obedient to, king, the king, to the king, proclaim the good news of the king and everything that we do. All right, that wraps it up for Matthew chapter four. So we're taking a couple of weeks break. Look uh, back, look forward to being back here. And I'm gonna get the exact date just so that I don't uh, unnecessarily mislead you. We're gonna be back here. Yes, there it is, um, March 20th. That's a Monday. And we're going to be talking about the most famous sermon in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount. Hope to see you then. Lord, thanks for this time. We pray that you would give us power to live on mission for the kingdom, for your glory. And it's in your name that we pray. 
Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you in a couple of weeks.